You're listening to Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn how to improve key metrics that grow your business from companies that have done it before. In this episode, I got to chat with Christina Simonson, Senior Director of Marketing and Operations at Privy. This is a really interesting, unique episode, one that we have not really done in a while, where you're going to get to hear how she's overhauling the marketing team structure and how they set and forecast their goals and KPIs. So we talked about how she's structuring her marketing team into three main functions, how she helps those teams understand the effect they're having on the value of the business, the collaborative method that she uses to set goals and KPIs with the team, as well as a lot more. So if you're a marketing-minded CEO, founder, or marketing leader, I think you're really going to get a lot of value out of this episode. Enjoy it. Christina, thank you so much uh, for joining. I'm a big, like I said, off mic, I'm a big fan of Privy's marketing. Uh, So I'm really honored to meet you and super grateful you were willing to come on and share some insights today. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat. Um, okay, so for those who don't know, we, I mean, we typically start this way. Can you give like the 30-second elevator pitch for Privy, uh, what it is, who it's for, what pains you all are solving? Yeah, uh, so Privy is really the e-commerce marketing platform that helps online brands grow with email and SMS, and we help brands grow fast. Um, so that's kind of the, the quick uh, pitch. We, go, we work with a lot of Shopify uh, stores, so really focus on the Shopify ecosystem and again, serving the tools that make it easy and fast for them to to drive sales online. Awesome. Um, okay, so this interview or this episode will be a little bit different. We're going to talk about a metric or two um, and, and maybe get into a little bit of how you move the needle on it. It'll be a little different for listeners because we're uh, we have the unique opportunity here how Christina's thinking about kind of framing um, – a fresh way of measuring metrics, what metrics, you know, Privy is going to be looking at that she's going through uh, an overhaul of that in a way. So let's start here. Um, I know before we got on the call, you mentioned there's goals that you set around for three metrics in particular. I'd love to like just learn more about before we get into the main thing. Um, You said you set goals around qualified trials, new MRR and brand demand. Um, and so before we get into maybe like the new system you're thinking about or what you're thinking about measuring moving forward, um, what is, I want to dig into two of these here, the qualified trials and the brand demand. What is brand demand? How do you define that and how are you measuring that? Yeah. So I think a lot of what I'm sure everyone listening as well, and you've heard a lot in the, the community is the talk about creating demand and capturing demand. And that's kind of the way I think about those two metrics is, you know, in order to drive new new revenue and drive new opportunities for the business, you either need to get more people aware um, and have intent for your product, or you need to capture them when they're looking for your product. So I kind of think about our team and our focus in those two areas in two very distinct ways. Um, you know, a more traditional acquisition or growth marketer on our team is focused on that qualified trial or ICP trial. Um, how are we showing up when someone has intent for our solution? Um, and that's going to be a more direct response and a more trackable metric. But I think we all know in the brand demand category and when we're trying to create demand, it's a lot harder to measure. And it's actually not something we really want to measure. I think we all know, you know, once you get down the route where you try to measure a creating demand tactic the way you would measure a demand capture tactic, um, you're going to manage that strategy the whole wrong way because you're just optimizing for the wrong signals and, and not doing it the right way. So I think about the create demand category as places that you can, you know, ultimately you want to have more awareness around your brand, more people chatting around your brand, 
um, more distribution of your content. And I just try to think about what are some signals that could tell us that that's picking up and that's working. Um, and that's where I think about that category of uh, brand demand uh, when I mention that metric. Okay. So is that a metric? Um, is that something that you are, that you use um, kind of as a broad phrase to stand for everything uh, create demand oriented, like all those channels, or is it, is it like a literal metric where you're saying like, we're tracking, you know, mentions, uh, of our brand on social plus, uh, you know, number of blog posts published plus number of impressions on social, like, it, like, it, are there, is it, um, an aggregate or a sum total of like a bunch of different things that are, that are measuring the output of, of create demand yeah i'm trying to think how to word this like is is it taking all the activities to create demand and measuring the output of them or is it just like phraseology that's helpful to know how things are going yeah it's a good question so definitely i think that's kind of the way i phrase it of thinking about the two unique avenues in terms of net new acquisition for the business which again is that acquisition which is focused more on conversion through the funnel and then we have that brand demand category and i think you just mentioned a few too you know when you think about those demand creation tactics like social or podcasts or you know working with influencers whatever that might be there's tons of metrics you could go chase like impressions and mentions and i think you know that can just be kind of messy when you think about tracking it all so i think as the simplest way and it's not the most perfect way but a leading indicator for you to say are more people thinking about our brand or talking about our brand is even just brand search volume and direct traffic to your site. And I think those are probably the simplest ones you can just kind of measure. Um, I think the other important consideration there is that there isn't a direct correlation in month. For example, you're doing great driving, word of mouth, creating demand in the community. You're not going to see it really impact that month. You might be planting seeds that impact two months later. So it's, it's hard to kind of tell that whole story, but I think those would be the metrics I'd look at as just, um, are we doing a better job, uh, over time, I guess. Awesome. Awesome. And then the capture demand is where you're tracking things like number of signups driven through paid channels or whatever it may be anywhere where there's kind of proven demand for privy or people are looking for a solution to the problem. Um, you're, you're tracking the more like direct attributable, attributable results there. Exactly. Yep. And I think the other thing I'll note on the create demand category is I definitely am a big fan of self-reported attribution and doing that as well. Um, so I think that's a great signal. Sometimes it's hard to still fully get that. So I think that's a signal there. We don't have that really uh, cracked as a full code yet, so we don't uh, measure that. But I do think that's a great way to do it. Um, but exactly like you said, that demand capture funnel is going to be one that's more traditional of traffic and conversions and finding ways to where you're tweaking that. Um, but I do think being able to set expectations on the other side um, you can get really clear to say, we're not going to track it that way so that you can really, uh, shift your strategy based on which bucket you're working in. Okay. Now how often, um, I guess who are the stakeholders who are kind of aware how the marketing team's performing at all times? Is it, is it everyone within the marketing team? Is it the marketing team and execs? Are you sharing that within the whole company? What does the reporting culture look like there? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, we're very, I think, Privy is probably the uh, company that has done this the best I've worked in of just 
being very internally focused in terms of communicating often and communicating updates from every team and department. So um, I definitely do a lot more internal communication probably in my role today than I have in the past of just making sure not just the marketing team knows how we're doing, but all the other in, uh, internal teams have a good sense of how we're doing, where we're going. Um, so they're also bought in, but you know understand where our focus is. So um, from a reporting culture, at least on the marketing side, um, we typically do a weekly update on Mondays, so we have a sense of, you know, how are we doing in months? Uh, so typically we start the week just getting a pulse of, of that month and that quarter, um, and then we do kind of deeper dives typically uh, once a month. So different okay. uh, meetings, and I can go into more detail, but that's kind of the, the high level. With, with, the, um, with the reporting uh, side of things with, with like the internal, I guess, reporting or, or marketing to the rest of the team and letting them know how things are going – are you giving them like, are you kind of trying to tell a, a story with, with just the key things that they're going to need to know so they understand kind of why you're investing in these things? Or are these more like robust breakdowns? Like you're sharing async, maybe reports of like all the numbers and things like what, how, um, how granular does that get? And how, how aware are they kind of of like the why behind it, I guess? Yeah, I'd say um, I really want to make sure people are aware behind the why. So I think I a lot of times when I'm sharing updates or reports, um, I want to make it as digestible and quick to look at, but if you want to unpack it, you can. So I think I think about the audience as, you know, someone in, at least from a cross-company update, if I'm sharing internally, um, someone that ha hasn't been in the weeds or been watching what we're up to, um, how would they read it in one minute or less and understand what our objective is and how things are going? And if they wanted to then slice and dice that, it's available there. So um, I guess try to think about like exactly to that point, really clear object, uh, objectives in, in our reporting, um, but also trying to find ways to like give that insight if they do want to dive deeper into the numbers as well. I love that. Yeah, we have a <clears throat> we use like an updates channel in Slack, um, oh, nice. but it's just so helpful when like because you can be inundated with so much information. I love the idea of like, hey, here's the three numbers you need to know that the marketing team did this year, and a quick you know sentence or two of like why are, or are things trending up or down. But then yeah, for people that want to you know dig in, there's like a fuller write up or you know whatever you're doing there, which is which is really cool. Right. Um, and I do think the one other note I'll say it very much depends on the audience. So. You know, when we're chatting as a marketing team, we're definitely going more into the weeds of slicing and dicing. And I think like you kind of just think of each time you're on, you're getting closer and diving in from uh, like getting into the details of you think about acquisition and then you could go into organic search and go into more detail there. So um, trying to carve reports as a, you can dive in as you go, but it doesn't start as it's so overwhelming uh, to be able to digest, to digest the story. Yeah. Now the goal side of things, um, like you mentioned, and I, I agree with this. I, I found, I, I agree with the way of you're thinking about it. Like I love thinking about it as like capture create. I feel like those two things are like the best place to start for, for my brain. It just works of like, then all the teams fall under one of those initiatives. Um, how are you setting goals related to that is like, you know, you mentioned like, I, does the capture side with where maybe there's growth marketing, there's more traditional, like you're able to measure more traditional things. Um, so there are you setting goals of like new trials driven by, you know, Google search or this page channel or whatever, where then 
on the create demand side, are you just measuring output? Like how do, like, what do goals look there? Like, Hey, we're not going to measure all the activity and, and ripple effects of it. Um, but we can measure the output of the number of podcasts we're doing or, or whatever that may be like, what, how do you think about setting goals between those two columns? If, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it's a really good question. I'd say definitely first to your point on demand capture, it is a lot easier to set those goals and, you know, you can have your different reports that tell you and look at historical trends and set that out. So we do have that breakdown of, okay, you know, here's where we need to go and let's set some goals in terms of, okay, what's our strategy? What are we focused on? We've got a good sense. Is it total traffic? Is it the quality of traffic? Are we focused on conversion rates? So I think we try to spend a lot more time making sure we know exactly the levers we want to move and then set those goals accordingly. Um, so the demand capture side, yes, we'll have things like traffic, goal conversions, and then um, really I think the focus there, though, is having it to an output of revenue. And that's how I think about, again, both capture and create demand is that they're both working towards the same metric, which is new revenue and new opportunities for the business. They just do them in very different ways. And there, of course, is a lot of um, crossover across both those, those categories. So, um, yes, we can set a lot more concrete goals on the demand capture side, but um, on the create demand side, it is a lot harder to set those goals. So I would say exactly to your point, I think about measuring the output of the trends and seeing um, how those are evolving over time rather than setting like really uh, concrete goals. I think that sometimes those can get really soft. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. And I, I love what you said before. It sounds like you're, you're part of what you're tracking under the create demand side is um, is branded like organic branded search. So people are typing in the name right. privy. Uh, or you're seeing direct traffic go up as a as a result of these things. Exactly. I think too. Again, not the best. It's not a metric to track, but I do think you know I see a lot of it online. I think a lot of people talk about it as well as just capturing more of the qualitative feedback, especially in that category. Things like you know uh, comments or replies to emails about some new content or uh, reviews on the podcast. Like the more you can have that file of just like. I think the create demand piece is such a gut feeling of getting these insights to tell you it's working or it's not, and then just continue to lean in there. So if you need proof or the data to show it, I think having that stuff on hand is always uh, helpful as well, because again, you're not going to have a direct metric that attribution is going to tell you a perfect story on. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. Okay, cool. So then, um, getting into, I mean, you, so you've now got this opportunity where, and this is super fun to, to get to chat with you about. It's, it's cool timing yeah. for me. Like, um, you've got this opportunity to sort of rethink, what do we want to be measuring as a marketing team? You're taking, you know, the chance to start with sounds like sort of like a fresh slate, um, of what are the metrics that are going to be important to us and how are you going to define them? Um, how are you, how are you approaching that? Like, like, can you walk me through like, um, yeah, I guess start at the beginning with the framework that you're using for that. Yeah, I think too, just to start kind of some context, I think like the value of an exercise like this, and I think everyone I'm sure listening as well knows, uh, thinking about metrics is why are we setting these metrics? Why are we setting goals and trying to get really clear is that I think one, we want uh, team members to understand and be able to really feel close to the work they're doing is impacting the business. But the more clear of a view you can give your team and um, different individuals in terms of the metrics that their role mostly impacts for the business, the better they can make decisions that, that drive that home. So I think for me, what I really think about this exercise is enabling my team to be able to see a really clear story in their function 
and make effective decisions that, again, impact the business in a, in a bigger way. So that's kind of why I think I wanted to spend some time diving in, uh, again, so that everyone really has that, that clear picture. Yeah, I love this. So the, um, so the, the team roles, is this like, is this also mean like even people that are, I mean, I don't know how the team is structured, so just use this as a rough example, but, um, so even like, you know, people that are writing content all day, every day is part of this exercise. It sounds like to get them excited, not just to produce a great piece of content, which obviously, you know, hopefully, hopefully they're doing and they're excited about it, but also like they can, they can be excited about how they're contributing toward moving the revenue needle. Um, and it sounds like the other, the other benefit here is, um, if you give them these metrics, it's going to help guide some of the strategy I'm guessing they propose to you. Like if, if they know you want them to land here now and they can see the greater business result and they have three ideas, they might say, well, this one especially will, will drive that. Right. Exactly. I think having more, uh, giving team members more of a clear view of their metrics, but also more confidence to be able to dive into on their own gives them that autonomy to really own their function and say, here's what I want to do versus a lot of times where, you know, as a leader or different team members, it's, hey, let's go do this. Like I want my team to be able to be looking at their numbers and, and defining that plan themselves. So I think it does really start with them also working towards the right match metric, which I think is why it's such an important exercise. So this is on, like on your part, I mean, I mean, some of this sounds like obvious. I feel stupid yeah. saying it out loud, but like, but I'm just processing it out loud. Like, um, it's, it's gotta be challenging, but you have to have like deep familiarity and strategic vision for what you want each team or department to be doing toward, like, I'm guessing revenue is your North star. So, right. uh, or new, new revenue. So you're, um, so you're driving new revenue and then you're saying, okay, there's all these teams. How can the content team contribute to new revenue? How are you like, are, are they, are you showing them like, um, yeah, I guess how are you going about taking like a content team as an example or pick pick any team? How are you going about showing them how like this metric which you're giving them is hitting this one? Like, can you walk me through yeah. one example of like picking a team, setting a North Star metric for them and showing how it contributes uh, toward the company's bottom line to get them more excited about that? Yeah, definitely. I think too, just for some context, we think about um, really two main metrics of new revenue uh and then also enabling expansion as a marketing team, so how we support those two motions. Um, and as a marketing team, we kind of have three primary functions, which is brand and content, demand gen, and product marketing. Um, so exactly to your point, and actually a lot of these conversations, I found myself having to take a step back and before saying, hey, this is the right metric for this function, is actually what is the mission of this function? What is the what is the objective they're trying to serve for our team and for the greater business? And I think that was just even helpful of just writing it down and chatting with the team. Like, how do we feel about this as the mission statement for these functions? And then that helps you then say, okay, for example, brand and content, really what we want as our mission there is to create demand around our, our brand, create more awareness, foster word of mouth. Um, so if that's the brand and content team's main mission, then that fits really well with the measures when we look at brand demand and we paint this really clear picture that brand demand is such a big input to new revenue because we know people like to buy by asking their friends and seeing what people chat online. So um, again, that sometimes those can be a little bit softer in terms of direct impact, but I think there's a really clear view in terms of those inputs. 
Yeah, this is awesome. Do you mind like sharing the what the three like what the mission statements of the three departments are? So you said there's demand, product, and brand and content. Uh, you just named brand and content. What would what did you set for products and for demand? Yeah, so for demand, you do kind of slice based off of more of a acquisition strategy, and then you have more of an in funnel engagement. Um, but for demand, it's more of those traditional KPIs, which I mentioned. So the mission there is to really uh, get in front of the right people. So acquire our qualified trials and engage them to um, a new revenue opportunity. So that's kind of the collective. If I were to uh, combine those two together in terms of a mission, it's right around acquire those ICP merchants and um, and engage them through the base. And then um, for product marketing, that's more specifically around our vision or our uh, you know strategic narrative as a business. So you know product marketing's mission is to get the market to perceive, uh, you know, that, that mission we're on as a company. Um, so really, uh, driving, you know, product awareness, uh, as well. Got it. Okay. Um, and then are you setting, are you setting the, uh, you, you know, the core metrics or the core KPIs that you want each of these teams to be focused on? Um, and then you're letting them set the strategy of the things that are going to move the needle most there, or how, how is that working like for you? Yeah, so a lot of it has been partnership with the team. So everyone's been super receptive of diving in. I think they've also been really excited about getting that level of clarity and also just redefining and, and kind of working through that. So I think it was a combined effort of diving in, bouncing ideas off of each other. And then that's exactly the, the goal is that I want them to be able to now look at the trends and track those metrics in months and then come to me and to other team members and say, hey, you know, this metric is off what's going on, let me take some action versus, you know, we're at the end of the month or something has been trending down and now we're reactive. Like how do we get more proactive as a, as a team? Mm -hmm. And I think getting more visibility and, and being on top of these metrics help us uh, get to that point. Okay. So, uh, so how many metrics does this work out to? So like in, in the overhaul that you're doing, you've, you start, it sounds like you started with, um, I'm doing these, I do these recaps for like my brain yeah. because I can't like hold it all together. So um, <laughs> I, I'm sure to the listeners it gets like really repetitive after time. I was like, yeah, yeah, she just said that. Um, <laughs> no. But so you're doing, so you're taking, uh, you took the three teams, you're giving them a mission statement and then does each team get like one North Star KPI and then like kind of sub metrics under that or how, how is that working? Like, are, is it one main thing that contributes or, or how, what, what, what are the guiding, how many guiding metrics are they meant to align their strategies to? Yeah. Good question. I will say a lot of it's still work in progress. I think we're going to learn and I'm sure it will evolve. We might say, Hey, this is the wrong metric or, and kind of learn as we go. But I do want to get to a point of nobody's tracking more than three metrics, for example. I think once you have, of course, there's so many things you can track, even website traffic, all the different sources, but how do you simplify to three main metrics that someone is really focused on? Um, so I think that's like the ideal vision of everyone has, you know, around that, that range to look at. Um, but I think everyone has crossover in what they're supporting in the funnel. So I mentioned converting new revenue opportunities, and then you have enabling expansion, the whole world of retention. So um, making sure those metrics are very closely aligned of which bucket that is meant to uh, serve. Okay. And then basically uh, their goals are going to be, are you setting, do you anticipate setting these goals 
uh, quarterly, annually, um, and and how often are they changing? Are the team leads who then are responsible for kind of helping create the strategy to hit these goals? How often? Are they creating new ideas? Are you encouraging like a few big plays a year? Is it like new things every quarter? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah. So we'll say I don't think every metric needs to have a goal associated and maybe people disagree with me. I think sometimes what you can get caught in on is like you spend so much time trying to set goals for something that just is so hard to track that now you just get lost in translation in terms of why am I even setting this goal when I have a good sense of, the purpose here. So I actually think, you know, we have really clear goals for those North Star. So new revenue opportunities and enabling expansion. Um, and I think about any directly attributable metrics, we might set some goals and we'll forecast those. But a lot of the other ones as a team will likely um, might not be exactly a goal, but something we report on um, at the end of each month. And I think that is our pulse to say, are the objectives in this function helping to improve that metric or not? Rather than having to say, you know, exactly, you know, brand demand should be driving more brand search volume and setting those goals. Because, again, I think that is a little bit harder to set. Um, so I, that's just some context in terms of I think some are direct goals we'll forecast and set targets on. But some are ones we might just monitor and look at in terms of health metrics. Okay. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, you mentioned so like new new revenue is fairly clear. Like or well, I guess the first question would be is everyone being given kind of the narrative or the story, like you said, on how they're impacting both of these new revenue and expansion or are certain teams like especially focused on like, you know, maybe product is especially focused on expansion or something like that. Um, or, or are they all being tied to like these two? Yeah, good question. So actually being really clear about individuals that are really focused on one or not the other, but some people might be crossover. I will say, uh, the product marketing side is definitely a lot more on that expansion than someone who is in the acquisition side is going to be more focused on new. So we do have that that clear view. Um, and I try, I think ideally not getting to a world where it's super conflicting and that way someone can stay like really down one course um, to impact that one versus feeling like you have to juggle all these different metrics in, in different ways. And I know, I know you mentioned like this, this is a, a really good point that like if for a comp- it makes sense why a company would should consider doing this if they've never done this. If if their marketing team, or you know, I guess this could be applied to any teams, but if the marketing team at a at an organization um, is not aware of how what they're doing is driving whatever the you know company's main KPI is, you know, for most revenue or maybe signups or something, um, right. it it definitely makes sense. Like it helps. It allows. It seems like it does two things. It it makes them excited to get out of bed in the morning because they know that they can have a hand no matter which role or no matter where they are on the org chart, they can have a hand in moving the needle and helping this company hit its like very big goals and see that what they're doing is important. Um, but the second thing I think is like this uh, sort of bottoms up like strat- like strategy, like they're the ones closest right. to the work. And so they're able to say, well, if you tell me these are my three metrics uh, or, or my three goals that we're tracking, these are the things that are going to move the needle on it. And so then your job as a marketing leader is basically just like make sure that the three goals that you're assigning them do tie directly to revenue. And as long as you've got that right and you hired the right people, they're probably going to be able to surface better ideas than in a lot of cases, you know, the head of or VP or whatever it may be is going to be able to do. Right. Totally. Exactly. And I think too, I will say part of setting the metrics is also part of 
having a really clear view on what's our strategy of these functions, going back to the objective. Like, um, so that's something we really dive, dove into as we set this, as you think about brand and content, for example, you know, some of those functions might be focused on actually organic search in, in some instances, but, um, you know, we've talked a lot about our strategy. What's the, the purpose? What's the biggest opportunity for that team? And we felt really, um, you know, confident on making that really tight on creating demand and not being as focused on a conversion tech, uh, tactic. So that also helped, I think, just kind of like getting really clear on the strategy component too as, as we set this. So I think exactly to your point, then that gives everyone has a clear view of their metrics, but also the high level strategy of where their role is. And, and that gives them, again, the autonomy to start to, you know, create plans and, and optimize uh, from there. Is this a common practice? Like, um, it's kind of funny, like it's prompting in me, like, I don't know that I've ever heard a marketing leader talk about kind of overhaul, you know, like, I guess because yeah. <laughs> it's so easy to fall in the trap of like, oh, well, like the metrics are right there almost within the tools themselves, right? Like Facebook ads tells us what metrics to track. Google ads tells right. us what metrics to track. Um, and then like leadership, you know, we know we need to hit X revenue or X signups or whatever, um, you know, sales in, in the next quarter, the next year, um, like I've, I've never really seen, you know, anyone go through like an overhaul practice of this. Do you think this is a function that happens when, like, when you get started, you're kind of smaller, you're scrappy, everyone's kind of like doing a lot of roles, maybe nothing's like super clearly defined and it's just a healthy reset. Or do you think, um, do you think this could even happen like at earlier stage companies? Like who, like, who do you think could benefit most from this kind of thing? Yeah, I think at any stage, I think if you're at the point where, individuals on the team aren't aren't looking at any metrics and aren't feeling as connected to business impact. I think that tells you, hey, now's the time to take a step back and kind of work through that with them. And I think if your early stage is actually best case scenario before you get started is like try to put together a framework like this because I think it also just gives you the guardrails as an organization and as a leader too to say yes or no to different things. Um, and I think for me, you know, my background before – uh, transitioning into this role is, is really I've been leading the demand gen team at Privy. Um, and of course, demand is, is typically something that's more easy to track and set metrics and, and report back on. So what I wanted to do is work actually more closely with the other functions and help them, you know, define that. So again, it might not be so uh, clear some of the metrics, but at least they have a scorecard and things they're looking at so they can really see the impact. But again, you know, make decisions that are backed by data. And, um, and then are the team members themselves like forecasting what growth they think is possible or do you anticipate kind of visiting each, uh, department and saying, okay, let's revisit your three goals and you're going to maybe set, you know, forecast growth quarter over quarter or year over year. Like, will you set that or will you ask them to say, show me what you did the last quarter and kind of project what you think you can do the next quarter? Yeah. So I do a lot of our forecasting at a high level, but definitely I'm working with the team to say, what are your thoughts on assumptions for those ones? Again, that I say that we will forecast out. Um, but what I'm working on with, again, defining the metrics as a team is um, kind of establishing the process too. So I think what, what my goal is that, you know, at the end of each month when we go and dive into results as a team or quarterly, whatever that might be, rather than me telling the story and diving into the results, I want everyone to come with their three metrics and share insights of, what's going on with those metrics, what they're doing to change them and what they're going to do in the next month or in the future. So that's kind of the goal is rather than 
again, having to be like uh, forecasting everything and setting them as, as exact goals in some scenarios, more about giving them that voice to come to the table to say, here's how things are doing and here's how I'm going to change my plans based off of what I'm seeing with my metrics. Yeah. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think one of my last questions is like, just the, ch- you know, kind of acknowledging like the challenge it's got to be to be in your role. Like, how do you know then, um, like, d- how do you know, I'll ask it the short way and then I'll <laughs> maybe share more context around it. How do you know that the strategy will be right? I think one of maybe the, the reason teams prefer kind of a top down is like, well, you know, we think we know what'll be right to drive this result, right? So there'll be different ideas or strategies floated down, then the teams take them and run with them and execute them with this. It sounds like you're, you're getting on the same page with the team leads of like, this is the mission statement of your department or of your team. These are the goals. Now you propose to me how you're going to move the needle on these three goals for you. Like, um, is there a process where you'll go back and forth? Like if, if maybe a red flag goes off or you feel like maybe that's not the best investment or like you, ha- you disagree on a strategy, like, or so are, I guess a few questions would be like, are they able to execute kind of whatever they think? Is it a more collaborative process with you? And then how do you know that something's kind of the right bet? Is it like when in doubt you default to their expertise or is it a function of like, I know when you get to your level, you've kind of done it all at that point and you like have a good sense of like how all these pieces fit together and you can kind of see the good bets versus the bad ones. Yeah, I will say um, everything's super collaborative. So I will take a step back too and say that we do set goals when you think about revenue components for the business and I'm breaking those down to say, okay, what can marketing deliver and what are the things we can directly break down and set targets for? So we definitely are doing that. Um, but I would say for the team in terms of, you know, to your last question of, um, like coming to the table with ideas to move that, uh, how we're going to move that metric or what that looks like. I think it's very collaborative. We, you know, have just been having function level sessions with everyone this week, thinking about next year and we're bouncing ideas off each other, asking questions. So, um, I'm definitely not kind of like dumping that on the team to run with. It's, um, definitely a, a pretty collaborative process, but, I do want them to be able to, again, walk away and say, here's what I think. And then we can kind of go that through that together and make trade-offs or, you know, tweak that based off of feedback from me, but also from, you know, other stakeholders in the org as well. Okay. Awesome. Um, all right. I think, I think, uh, my last question is yeah. you talked about activation as an input to driving new, new MRR. Is this like, um, am I thinking about this the right way? Is this like turning free trials, you know, happy free trial users into paid? Is this getting like a uh, standard plan into like upgraded plan or like, how, how are you thinking about that as marketing's function? Yeah. So that was an example of a initiative we had really at the start of this year. We did learn a lot from that as well. Um, but I think just at a high level, the way I think about activation is ultimately such an input to every revenue component, right? You know, you're trying to sell your product, uh, whatever you're selling. And if people aren't using your product and they're not seeing value from your product, they're not going to buy, they're not going to stay and continue to use you and they're not going to scale using your product. So I think, you know, it's an interesting perspective just to think about is if you can move the needle on activating your users in a better way or engaging them more often, um, you know, you can really enable that revenue through the funnel. Um, so one of the initiatives we had really at the start of this year was figuring out 
exactly to your point, how do we get more users who sign up to use the product and activate and do the actions that, um, you know, we think are most important for them um, and get them to, you know, time to value really quickly. So that was something we had a lot of initiatives on at the start of the year. I think it's always something, you know, I'm looking at too, just to, to kind of see what's going on in terms of quality. Um, but it was an issue we took a lot of action on at the start of the year, and, and I can share more in terms of marketing's impact on that, but uh, definitely was an interesting project. Yeah, yeah. Can you share, like, what I'm, – I'm especially curious, what role did the different teams have? Because I think, like, yeah. you, I could see organizations going super narrow with it where, like, maybe just product marketing has a hand in it and they're handling maybe, like, onboarding sequences or onboarding communications or something. Um, but then I could see, like – I could see in your example, like the brand team doing like a YouTube series on highlighting the value for people that are maybe, you know, kicking tires and evaluating the product from outside channels. And they're kind of picking up the value points of what they can expect so that when they get in the product, they're more apt to try these new features and things. So I'm just, right. yeah. If, could you walk through like, um, I guess what were some of the steps that you took to get people to value realization faster and what pieces of the marketing team played a role in that? Yeah, so exactly to your point, it is very widespread, especially something like activation, products involved, sales involved, CS, marketing. So it was a really interesting kind of cross-team uh, initiative. But from a marketing standpoint, we really looked at um, more of our in-funnel engagement uh, in terms of once someone's in the funnel, how are we um, reaching out to them and reminding them to get into the product. So it was a big um overhaul of a lot of those programs, but it was also a really clear alignment with product to say, if you think about a new user and before they decide to consider a purchase, what are the steps that they should be taking or what is the aha moment that leads them to say, hey, this is I saw value and I really want to continue this tool and consider a purchase and laying that out and then marketing supporting that to say, all right, here is how we can enable that with our nurture programs or, you know, other uh, messaging points to drive that home. So we really focused on a marketing standpoint on education. So um, exactly to your point, video tutorials in our messaging um, and also really trying to simplify to say, you know, it can be overwhelming to get started with a new tool. Start here with the step one and in, you know, a few days now go do this and just kind of letting them crawl, walk, run versus do everything all at once. Okay, so were what the aha uh, factors, I'll call them, were they yeah. quantitative or qualitative? In other words, was Prada coming to you and saying, okay, we know, you know, um, I forget if it was like, what's the common example people use, like Twitter or whatever. It's like, we know that if, we, if they follow this many people and tweet this many times and do this one other thing within this many days, um, right. they've got an 80% likelihood of retention. Was it that or was it more like, um, was it more qualitative? Was it more like, Hey, how can we get them to like explore the different parts of the product? How can we get them to feel, how can we know that we just feel like we do a better job covering our bases of what the features are they could use? Yeah, I would say a combination of both. I think we were, we were able to get access to some data and say, and make some, I guess, like a hypothesis around what we think that is. But some of it was also like that gut feeling of, you know, chatting with customers and doing interviews to say, here's what we want to drive home. So I'd say, I think now we're probably in a spot where we could get more of that, that story in terms of the quantitative side, but it was definitely a mix at the time, um, trying to shape that. Okay. Um, and then was it primarily all done within 
within the funnel, like someone signs up and then this is happening in the product or in email comms, or was it like, are you trying to do this, I guess, um, in a more decentralized way? Like where could they, could they, would you make an effort to get them to value realization or learn what the product was about? Like through the blog or through like, like these videos and things where they served right. up primarily to like, when I enter my email to start a free trial or was it, um, were they maybe more available for people that are just kind of browsing around the site or on other channels or like, would you serve it up on social and stuff like that? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say we definitely tried uh, to incorporate that messaging and that story, especially if you think about, I think that exercise helped us say what is the right journey we want to shape. And then that helped us go into different things on the website or, you know, resources to also communicate that or teach that in our content. Um, but a lot of it was focused at least to start was within like nurture programs and onboarding in product. Um, and we actually ended up running that as more of a controlled test uh, against what was live before to understand what does email engagement look like, what's activation look like of the two cohorts, and what does free-to-paid look like. And we were able to see, hey, the new track had uh, improvements across the board in all of them, so we had confidence to say, let's go turn this on 100%, and now look at all the learnings we have to go apply to other programs or to other initiatives we're running. Um, so I think it was a really helpful exercise for us to get a bit more defined about that uh, project so that we could get um, more clear learnings uh, at the end. Okay. What were some of the hallmarks of the new track or the new cohort? Like you don't necessarily need to like lay out everything, you know, like the whole plan, but like what, what were some things that maybe surprised you or some things that you weren't doing that in the new cohort or in the new uh, track that you, the, the new nurture track you put them on, you started doing, and those were surprises of like, we weren't doing this before and this drove big results. Yeah. I think the biggest change we, you know, I think you think about new onboarding, if you get started with a new tool, especially one that can have more of a self-serve flow as well as that, you know, you're getting this series and it's reminding you to do different things, but you know, as a, a user, we, we also know people that get started don't really understand what you do yet. Um, and I think previously we tried to do more of that education, like, oh, you got started, here's who we are and who we serve and some more details to better understand. But I think we learned rather than spend a lot of time talking about ourselves, and obviously we want to make that mission clear, let's get just really focused on the user to say, you just got started, like, here's your homework in a sense, but like, do this one thing because X, and here's a video that's five minutes long and tells you how to do it. Um, so just kind of thinking about the behavior of someone that's getting that, doesn't have a lot of time, um, they want to do it quickly, like just kind of making it simple uh, when you think about messaging. This is really interesting. Um, this is kind of like a, a like a a weird tangent, but I'm really curious, like with these things, so you'd pick like one, I guess at a time. So you're trying to get them like, okay, day one, do this thing, or day two, do this thing. Um, right. Uh, how much of the messaging was like, uh, I'll call it like technical versus emotional. How much of it is like, use this technical feature to solve like this problem and how much of it was like, you know, like we talk about like with products, with product marketing or like messaging on the homepage, right? Do you lead with like, um, you know, uh, you know, make three X the revenue in 50% less time is kind of like the value you're going to get by using the product versus like, right. Um, this is a homepage AB tester that's really easy to use, like the technical. How did you right. approach the messaging there? Was it like, hey, like do this thing because like here's this value that you're going to get out of it? Or was it like test this new feature, this is what it's meant to do? Yeah, that's a good question. I think like especially kind of balancing those two, I think 
you know, big shout out to the whole team, you know, as part of this, but really not the one executing on it. So, um, but uh, I think it was a balance. I think, you know, exactly to your point, like we could try to really paint this positioning to say something a little bit more uh, compelling or, you know, get someone to understand that. But we also want them to be able to quickly say and understand, do this thing, this means this. Um, so I'd say we kind of did a balance between that where um, maybe the initial message was super clear around, you know, do this because you're going to get X from it. And if they didn't do that activity or that action, we'd later, you know, follow up with a more emotional message to say, hey, because you haven't done this yet, you're missing out or trying to build a little bit more pain or urgency around it. Um, so I'd say kind of building off of each other. Um, but I don't think we saw like one or the other was um one that we'd like always want to just zero in on. Got it. Okay. So you basically worked with the product team to map out the steps that defined, like these are the steps that when someone goes through them, they'll have, they'll have uh, value realization. Um, they'll right. have had the aha moment. And that's a mix of quantitative and qualitative. Primarily the big change, it sounds like consisted in um, taking each one of those things and having a dedicated piece of messaging around it in multiple forms, in writing, in a video yeah. that would explain it and putting it in clear, simple terms. Um, but what you just said at the end there, it sounds like, was there not logic, but like what you described just now, sounds like there's logic based stuff of like, okay, we're now tracking, like if a user hasn't, you know, they've done step one and two, but they haven't done step three out of five, we're going to follow up with a message. Was that logic in there prior? Um, or was this part of the new update as well? Yeah. Part of the new update. So exactly to your point, rather than you know, keep following up to get them to do action one, two, three, four, let's keep getting them to do action one if they haven't done it yet. And that was kind of part of it as well. Just like, let's keep them focused on trying to take that first action and then going from there. Oh, wow. So could, like they wouldn't get two or three if they hadn't done one. Yeah, not in most cases. Yeah. Kind of really just trying to focus on so that again, it's after a few touches, you know, I think it also drives home like, you know, we, this is such an important thing for you to do first or to do because that's a quick thing you can see value. So that's what you're trying to, to shape with the behavior. Was each thing mapped to like, are there like five tools? Like, you know, I'm, I'm not familiar with the product as, as yeah. well. So like, are there five tools and you wanted them to go inside each tool, like in its five steps, or was it like, you know, 10 features and there's 10 things or like, or was it not quite that linear? Was it like a little bit more like, uh, we want them to try and use privy to do these three things or whatever it may be. Yeah. I'd say, um, so for those not familiar, we have list growth, email marketing and SMS marketing, uh, tools. And in our trial, you can use our list growth and email. So, uh, we want them to explore both of those ideally, but you really can't get started with email unless you're starting to grow your list or you're trying to do that. So, uh, really focused on how do we get them to start there, um, which will then be fuel as they go explore other areas. So um, I think we kind of had a checkbox of here are some things we think are important to explore. And that was what it was shaped around activating in those areas. Okay. Awesome. This is awesome. Yeah. And, um, it's super cool to hear like that there'd be that messaging hammered home. It's, I don't know that I've ever, I don't think I've ever been a part of an, I try and pay attention to these things cause I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm nerdy uh, for like a lot of marketers. So, um, so I don't think I've ever been a part of an onboarding sequence for like any, for like a, you know, a, a D to C product or like B2B or anything. Like I can't think of anything where they've, where I've gotten recurring messaging around doing the one thing. It's like usually always I'm in and then they just like inundate you 
over the next week or two with like all the things that you're supposed to do or care about. And I haven't even like done step one yet. So this seems like a lot calmer of a messaging flow as well. Um, it seems like it's easier for users to focus and like, it's a really simple call to action. Like just do this one thing. And after you do it, great. You've had a little bit of familiarity with the product and now we're going to do this second thing. What was the, what was the time span ideally if a user did all these things that this would come out in? Yeah. So I think that's the other piece too. I think we're still learning about is like, what's the right frequency. I think to your point too, like you sign up for something, I get the emails too when I sign up for something and like, you're not always paying attention as a user. So your experience isn't always super linear, like, or, you know, every pattern is not going to be the same for every user. So just kind of being able to try to keep that user on something that's relevant to them or where they're still at in their journey, I guess, is, was the goal. Um, so I don't know if we've learned exactly yet the right, like, days and timing and everything, but we did kind of define, okay, we have an X day trial period or free plan and scope these things out and say, you know, the ideal user does everything, but um, and if they're doing everything, we're going to give them these touch points that focus on guiding them along the way. But in most cases, someone might not do that. So let's kind of scope that out as well. So I think we kind of identified at least at a high level how many touch points to do to hit each user with or maybe not or where to kick people out in certain instances and then how to then shape that based off of where they're at. Was there ever anything that would kick over to like a customer support team member or something where like if a user ignored like step two three times in a row or like never made it to step two, was there any like warning signal or anything like that that maybe would require more like, hey, do you need any help with this or something like that? Did you find like, I would imagine there's always going to be a percentage of users that just get stuck in like one step and did you try anything with them or find anything interesting there? Right. Yeah, and I think I actually saw a tweet the other day too. I mean, it was like 40% or a certain percentage of signups, especially for gross environments, um, are people that poke around and never come back. So I think also you think about these types of tracks and there's definitely that um, behavior. So we do have some of that. You know, if someone isn't progressing or activating, we have a message that goes out instead of, again, let's tell them to do this thing. It's more of a how can we help? Hey, we've noticed, you know, you haven't explored as much and, you know, your X days in, um, here are some resources. You can schedule a meeting with sales. You can go check out our videos, go to the knowledge base and all different things like that. So a lot of, I think a lot of the track is balancing the feature education, getting them to see value, but also just more generic education, um, to keep them, you know, moving along the way. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah. So do you, can you share like some of the results like you, uh, uh, you know, cohort one compared to cohort two, this new cohort or track, the old track versus this new track that you've taken them on, some of the results that you saw? Yeah, so I I should have pulled it before because I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, I think I mentioned the three. So we really looked at um, email engagement, uh, activation, and free to paid um, between the two cohorts. And I don't have the numbers on hand in terms of Lyft, but we saw each of those metrics move in a positive way with the new track. So I think that was really validating, um, you know, still like, you know, you think about the metrics we were talking about, like that's a small win and, you know, you still need other incremental things, but uh, I think really good learnings in terms of how activation um, can help, you know, better engage folks, but also drive uh, more upgrades as well. Yeah, this is awesome.
So helpful. I loved hearing how you are. This is, I've never had a conversation like this where we've gotten to hear how someone's kind of like shaping a department from the ground up, how you're thinking about communicating this. I love the way that you're thinking about it. Um, I think it's going to be super valuable for a lot of marketers. So thank you for, for coming on and, and being willing to share all of this. Of course. And if people have feedback too, I think again, a lot of this is evolving. So I love following along here and, and other resources as well. So um, still learning as we go, but excited as, as we dive in. And thanks again for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Go follow Christina on LinkedIn and Twitter and uh, go check out Privy at Privy.com. Thanks for coming on, Christina. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.